All right. Can't believe we are in episode nine of Bible Questions and Answers. Uh, we are so happy that you continue to ask these questions because without your questions, we would not, we would not have uh, these episodes of Bible Questions and Answers. So we do want for you to for you to continue asking questions so that we can have these upcoming episodes of Bible Questions and Answers. So let's go with question number one for tonight, and. Good day, Brother John. I've been watching our video, other, other videos concerning Hashem. Word Hashem means the name of God. Below are the comments I've read. Uh, true, the Pharisees hid the true name of God and deemed it unpronounceable as their lame excuse when it's clearly the spirit of the adversary at work through them. Truth is, God wants all his creatures to worship and call his name and it's so easy to pronounce that even a newborn can cry Yahuwah, and even animals too, all God-created creatures, great and small. Yeah, that's true when you think about it, right? For example, the cry of a baby, how does it go? Wah, wah, Yahuwah. And so this is true not just for newborn uh, human children, but also even animals as well. So that's kind of interesting. Good thing that this brother or sister pointed that out. A book of Enoch in the story of the birth of Noah, where it narrated how his father Lamech got terrified hearing the newborn Noah praising the name of God as soon as he came out from the book of Enoch. So this is like a preface before the question is asked. And so having this information in mind and the question that is asked, let's go to the question now. The question is, my question for is the book of Enoch, chapter 4, first paragraph, Psalm 8, 1 to 3 of King David, and Matthew 21, 15, as quoted by Christ Yahushua, pertain to the name of our Abba, Yahuwah's name. Thank you very much. And may Yahuwah God bless you always, spoke. Now, I'm not going to go into the book of Enoch because it's not something that we have discussed yet. And I'm still kind of thinking about the veracity of the book of Enoch, we have to compare and contrast everything that's written there and compare it against the context of the entire scripture. So I will hold off looking at the book of Enoch. I'm going to go straight to Psalms and Matthew, which is, I think, more pertinent to our study. So the question is, um, is, the, is Psalm 8, 1 to 3 and Matthew 21, 15 um, pertaining to the name of Abba or Yahuwah. So let's go ahead and take a look at Psalms 8, and the verses are 1 down to 2. O Yahuwah, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And so in Psalms 8, 1 to 2, it does mention uh, the name of Yahuwah and how it is majestic. And it also mentions Psalm 8, verse 2, wherein it says, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And so the question is, is the praise referred to that come out from the mouth of children and infants referring to the pronouncing of the name Yahuwah? And so when we look at Psalms 8 and the verse is 2, what is the meaning of that word praise? If we look at Psalms 8, 1 to 2, in a different translation, we read NIV. Let's read now the NKJV. This is what it says. 
O Yahuwah, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And so in the New King James translation, take note, it's different from the NIV, right? In the NIV, it mentions ordained Praise. You see that? In the New King James, it mentions you have ordained strength. And so what is going on here? Is it strength? Is it praise? Best thing to do is to look at the Hebrew word that is used. And so we go to the Blue Bible uh, or, uh, or .org and look at the Hebrew word that is used. And this is what it's used. It's the Hebrew word Oz. Interesting, huh? Dr. Oz. What does it mean? Strength. Let's look at the Hebrew word 5797. Oz, might, material or physical, personal or social. And you look at Strong's definition, it's a strength, right, in various applications, including praise. So it encompasses both aspects of strength and praise. It's speaking about praise that is perfected in its strength. And so what does that mean? Well, we get an idea because Yahushua himself quoted the book of Psalms 8 and the verses 2. And this was part of the question that was asked today. So let's turn to Matthew 21, 15 and 16. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Yahushua said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. And so here's Yahushua. And he quotes the book of Psalms 8 and the verses 2. And he was speaking about the children who were crying out in the temple. And they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. To give you context on what this passage is all about, Yahushua did great and wonderful works. Yet, despite the works that Yahushua showed, beside, despite his teachings, the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests, they continued to reject Yahushua as the Messiah. However, when he came to the temple, he heard the children and what did they sing? What did they cry out? They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Do you know what that means? They were singing a praise to the Messiah. And so they were pointing to Yahushua. And they were claiming and exclaiming through praise that Yahushua is the fulfillment of the son of David that is to come. Because Hosanna to the son of David is a messianic praise. And they attached it to Yahushua. These were children who did this. Not the scribes. Not those who studied the laws of Moses. Not the chief priests. But babes and infants. And so when these children began to exclaim and to praise and say Hosanna to the son of David. As it applies to Yahushua. Exclaiming that Yahushua is the, the Messiah himself. They became indignant. The chief priests, the scribes, the students and teachers of the law, 
they all became very, very upset. They were indignant, the Bible says. And so what does Yahushua say? Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Now, why did Yahushua refer to the children and say to them, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Well, let's read the book of Matthew 11.25. At that time, Yahushua answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So why did Yahushua say to the scribes, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, that have you not read Psalms 8-2 that speaks of Yahuwah God perfecting praise in the mouth of babes or children? That is because Yahushua knows and understands that the Father Yahuwah God purposely have hidden certain things from the wise and prudent. Remember, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, they were all boasting about their knowledge of the law of Moses. And so because of their boasting, they could not see what the children were able to see. They could not see what the babes were able to see. Why were the babes able to see that Yahushua was the Mashiach and those who studied the law could not see it. That's because Yahuwah purposely revealed those things to those who are considered babes. Why? What is the purpose of Yahuwah in doing that? Corinthians 1, 27 to 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And so what was the purpose of Yahuwah God in hiding from the wise, the safe proclaimed wise teachers of the law, the hidden things of Yahuwah God? That's because Yahuwah's purpose in revealing them to those who are not considered wise to those who are lowly, his purpose is so that people will not boast before him. You see, the Bible says God resists the proud, but for the humble, God shows grace. And so Yahuwah God purposely hides things from those who are proud and shows grace to those who are humble. And so when Yahushua referred to Psalms 8-2 about praise, coming from the mouth of babes, it's not in reference to the name of Yahuwah. Instead, it's to show the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, that even young children, even babes, can understand the will of God that cannot be understood by the ones if it is revealed to them by who? Yahuwah Abba. It is then that praise is perfected in strength when Yahuwah reveals it because it's not about us. It's about Yahuwah revealing his wisdom and plan of salvation, okay? I mean, I wish I can tell you, yeah, that what, what, what Yahushua was referring to was the actual name, but when you look at the context, it's not 
what it's all about. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question. Uh, greetings, Paul, brethren. I just have questions which I hope gets featured in our Q&A program. Uh, what does Yahusha mean when he said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 19, 24? It's a good question, right? We want to know that as well. And what is the parable of the workers in the vineyard, Matthew 21 to 16, all about? So let's go ahead and go with the first one. What does Matthew 19, 24 mean? One, it says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Let's read Matthew 19, 24. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so if you read Matthew 19, 24, and that's the only passage you're going to read from the whole Bible, what will be your conclusion? If you're rich, it is impossible for you to enter the kingdom of God because Yahushua says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Question, can a camel go through the eye of a needle? What can go through the eye of a needle? A little tiny string, right? It can go through the eye of a needle. But a camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. Do you see the sense of humor of Yahushua? He's using exaggeration. He's telling us that if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Does it mean it's impossible, just like it is impossible for a, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Is it impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? What, do you, what is your answer? No. Are there rich individuals who enter the kingdom of God? Yes. This is why there are probably those shaking in their knees. Oh, no, I'm wealthy. <laughs> I better give all my stuff to the poor because I want to go to the kingdom of God. That's not what the Bible is telling us here. So we need to understand the context, right? And so what do we need to do? Let's look at what this is all about. Well, let's. Read Matthew 19, 16 to 17. Now behold, one came and said to him, to Yahushua, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So there was a man who approached Yahushua and he asked a question. The question is, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Want to pause there for a while. This man has achieved a lot in life, right? Because he's rich. And so he figured out there are things that you can do. And when you do certain things, it will produce a certain effect. So he wants to know, what can I do? Because I have all the riches of the world. I don't need any of the other stuff. Now I want eternal life. And so he's asking, what good things shall I do? Something that he wants to do so that he can have everlasting life. So he goes to Yahushua and asks the question. What is surprising here is that Yahushua sets him up by giving the following answer. What was the answer of Yahushua HaMashiach? Remember, the question is, what must I do? Right? That was the question. And then Yahushua says, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. What was he referring to? The Ten Commandments, right? Yahuwah, the, the laws of Moses. He was referring to the law of Moses, the Old Testament command. Yahushua is setting him up for something. I want to show that to you as we go along. And so when he says, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments, what does 
the rich man say? Well, in Matthew 19, 18 to 19, he said to him, which ones? Yahushua said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so here, Yahushua is telling him which ones do I need to, which ones need to be done for him to receive everlasting life, right? So he specified the commandments that Yahuwah God gave to Israel during the days of Moses. After specifying these commandments, what does the rich man say? Matthew 19, 20 to 24. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Yahusha said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Yahusha said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so here's the rich man and he receives instruction from Yahusha, keep the commands, right? And so he says, I've been doing that since my youth. What do I still lack. Here's the thing. Yahusha then says, if you want to be, what does it say? Perfect. You see, if you want to be saved by keeping the laws of Moses, you have to be perfect. Is that possible? Is it possible to perfectly obey all the laws of Moses? No. There's only one person on earth who's ever done that. What's his name? Yahusha HaMashiach. And so Yahusha when he told the rich man that for him to enter life, keep the commands of Moses, he was setting him up to see that by himself, there's nothing he can do. Because that was his question, right? What can I do? And so he's basically setting him up so that he begins to realize there's nothing he can do to enter into the everlasting life because he has to be perfect. However, there's a way for you to become perfect without being perfect in obeying the laws of Moses. What is that? Yahusha says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. This was an invitation by Yahusha himself for him to be his disciple, to be a follower of Yahusha, to be united with Yahusha. Is that enough for us to be perfect? Yes, it is our union with Yahusha that will enable us to receive everlasting life. But what did the, young, the, the rich man say when this invitation was given to him? Well, he left sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. This is why if you are a rich man, there is a more difficult, it's more difficult for a rich man to be able to see the need for Yahusha, for him or her to be saved. Because when you have a lot of possessions, you're not willing to give that up. Does it mean for you to be of Yahusha that you have to give up all your possessions? No, this was specific to the rich man because Yahusha was using this as a way to teach us about salvation. What is, the, what is salvation? How can we, we receive everlasting life? When we follow 
him. The laws of Moses are no longer applicable in the way of perfection. We cannot be perfect through the laws of Moses. But if we are a follower of Christ, then we can be perfect. And so Yahushua is teaching them, this is what you need to do to be saved. Now, does it mean that a, a young, a, a rich man cannot receive everlasting life? Because Yahushua says, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? And so what do the apostles say in response to that? Well, let's keep reading 25 to 26. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Yahushua looked at them and said to them, With men this is possible, but with God all things are possible. And so is it impossible for a rich man, a poor man, a great man, a slave to enter the kingdom of heaven? Is it possible? Not by himself. By himself, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a person, regardless of his possessions, to enter the kingdom of heaven. But with God, all things are possible. How are all things made, made possible? Because God sent his son. And so when he sent his son, the impossible became what? Possible. And so the point of this story, the point of this teaching is to tell us if we want to be saved, we have to be a follower of Yahushua. We have to be one with Yahushua. That is how we can do the impossible, receive everlasting life, even though we are not perfect in our obedience to the laws of Moses, right? It's just that a rich man probably is distracted with his or her own riches. But all of us have the same opportunity for salvation when Yahushua tells us, follow me. And so when he says that to us, we should heed that calling from Yahushua. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question that he asked. What is the parable of the workers in the vineyard? This parable is depicted in Matthew 21 to 16. How many here are familiar with this parable? Have you heard about this parable before? It's really a nice parable. And let's go ahead and take a look at it. Matthew 21 to 2. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. And so here, Yahushua is speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And like in many of his parables, he likens the kingdom of heaven to stories that people can relate with or relate to. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. What does he own? A vineyard, right? This landowner is an owner. And he hires workers for his vineyard. And so he, the, the landowner wakes up early in the morning, goes outside, and he hires people. And he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So far, so good, right? Okay. And so what does he do next? Matthew 20, 3 to 5. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon. And again, 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. So it starts out early in the morning. He hires a group of people to work in his vineyard, right? Early in the morning. It doesn't specify what time. 
probably 7 a.m. But later on, at 9 o'clock, he hires another group of workers, right? And then at noon, he hires another group of workers. And then at 3 o'clock, he hires another group of workers. So you have one early in the morning, number one, first group. Second group, uh, the one at 9 o'clock. Next group, the one at 12 o'clock, noon. And then another group at 3 o'clock, four groups so far, right? And so after this, what happens next? 26 to 7, at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. This is a nice landowner, huh? Very kind and compassionate. Don't you wish all employers are like this? I need a job. <laughs> okay, go. Go join the others and start working for me. And so this is a, a nice parable about the kindness of this landowner. And so five o'clock, there's another group that works. Here's my question to you. Who works, who worked mo the most? Who worked the most in this parable? The first one who were, who were hired, right? Those who started early in the morning. Who worked the least? The ones who were hired at five. So if works finished at six, they only had one hour, one hour left to do, right? And so we're different groups of people hired at different times. And at the end of the day, it was time to give them their wages. Watch this, Matthew 28 to 9. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received the full day's wage. Wow, what a kind, compassionate, and generous landowner, right? Because even though these group, this group of people who were fired, who were who were hired at five o'clock and did not really work that much, how much were they given? Each of them were given a full day's wage. And so the others are looking, wow. Those who worked at five o'clock, they were given a full day's wage. How about us? How much are we gonna get? And so what happens? 10 to 12. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, which they have a right to assume that, right? They assumed they would receive more. But they too, uh oh, were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people work only one hour. And yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who work all day in the scorching heat. And so the, when they realize everyone, regardless of what time they started to work, got the same pay, some began, began to protest. And so they're thinking and saying, why am I only why am I receiving exactly the same amount at this person as this person when I worked for eight hours and this person only worked for one hour, right? And so they protested against the landowner. And so what does the landowner say? 13 to 15, he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? <laughs> Very interesting, right? And so when they began to protest, how come the person who was hired at five o'clock got the same pay as a person hired early in the morning? 
What does uh, the landowner say? Didn't you agree to work all day for the, for the usual wage? So he was not being unfair, right? Because he did exactly what they agreed to do. What would be unfair is if the person hired in the morning did not get the, the full day's wage. That would be unfair. And so the landowner said, is it against the law for me to extend my kindness to these people who are hired at five o'clock in the afternoon? And so what is the point? The point is we have no right to tell Yahuwah what to do when it comes to salvation, right? Why? Because Yahuwah can do whatever he wants. Just like in verse 15, he says, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? It's his money, <laughs> right? Is it good to think that Yahuwah God can do whatever he wants when it comes to salvation? Yeah, it's up to him to be kind to whoever he wants to. Why are you going to be jealous when he's kind to others? Because there are people today who say, no, we're the only ones who are going to be saved. Because we're listed in this registry. This is a special registry. My name is there. You know, so I'm going to be the one to be saving. You're going to go to hell. Oh, boy. They don't know about this parable of Yahushua. And so Yahushua is telling us it's up to the owner of the universe to decide who to be saved and who not to be saved. And to conclude, this is what Yahushua added in verse 16. So those who are last now will be first then. Uh, so those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. In other words, we have no authority to determine who's going to be saved and who will not be saved. Now, who's just telling us many people will be surprised. People you thought were going to be saved will not be saved. People who thought we thought were not going to be saved will be saved. It's not up to us. It's up to Yahuwah and Yahushua. And so it is about the sovereignty of the owner of the land. And so when it comes to salvation, it's about the grace, the kindness, and the sovereignty of the one who owns the vineyard. In this case, Yahuwah Abba. He can do whatever he wants and can save anyone he wants. Are we going to say to him, Yahuwah God, why are you saving them? They're not in the registry, Father. It doesn't make any sense, okay? All right, let's go to our next question. Good day, Brother John. My question point is about the daughter of Zion. Who is the daughter of Zion referred to? Israel, A, B, children of Israel, C, the church of the apostle, uh, the church that Apostle Peter founded. I don't want to mention church names, but the church in the last days in the islands of the sea, E, all of the, all of the above, or this is a pattern that keeps repeating because we never learned our lesson taught in the history of the Bible. Thank you, Paul. That's a, a good question about the daughter of Zion. So when it mentions daughter of Zion, what is it referring to? Well, let's first find out what does Zion refer to, right? What does Zion mean when it's used in the Holy Bible? Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 22 to 23. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And so when we read the scripture, the term Zion can refer to one of three things. Number one, 
the actual city of Jerusalem as represented by Mount Zion. Number two, it can also refer to heavenly Jerusalem or the holy city. Number three, it can also refer to the general assembly or the church. That's Zion. Now, what does it mean when we mention daughter of Zion? Isaiah 52, verse 2, shake yourself from the dust, rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. You know, Jerusalem is referred to as Zion, right? But when they were in captivity, because they turned away from Yahuwah God, all of a sudden it becomes, O captive daughter of Zion. And so when we read that daughter of Zion, it refers to a remnant after the people of God have turned away from him. When we read scripture, there is this pattern of God's people turning away from him, right? And then God setting apart a few for himself. And so that few will continue the work and they are referred to as the daughter of Zion. And so the pattern of the daughter of Zion eventually becoming, uh, eventually forgetting God and abandoning him and turning away from the faith, it's a pattern that repeats again and again. For example, during the Christian era, during the days of the Apostle Paul, how did this play out? Romans 9, 30 to 33. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So here's an example of Israel as a nation who were not able to accept and receive the righteousness of God because they rejected the stone. Do you know who the stone is there? Yahushua. The, the Jewish people, when Yahushua was here, they were in pursuit of righteousness. This is why the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, what did they master? What did they study? The law of Moses. And so they sought righteousness from the law of Moses, but Apostle Paul says they tried to attain righteousness, but they were not able to. But these Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, they were able to attain righteousness. Why? Because they were not offended by the stone that was presented to Israel. The Gentiles accepted who? Yahusha. And so we have Israel here turning away from Yahusha except for the Gentiles, right? So the Gentiles, uh, they were the ones who accepted Yahushua, and so they belonged to Yahushua the Christ. However, does it mean because Israel rejected Yahushua HaMashiach, does it mean that all of Israel at that moment rejected, it, rejected the Messiah? Well, let's keep reading. Let's jump to Romans 11, 1 to 5. I say then, has God cast away his people? He's referring to Israel, his people. Certainly not, for I also am an Israelite. Because the question is, so when the Gentiles accepted Yahushua and Yahuwah God rejected Israel, does it mean all Israel was rejected? Apostle Paul says, no, because I'm an Israelite, 
right? For I am also Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people from whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? And how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Yahuwah, we have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Do we see here an example of the pattern of people, the people of God turning away from the faith and God leaving behind a few that belong to him? Apostle Paul says, has God rejected Israel? No. Just like during the days of Elijah. What happened during the days of Elijah? The people turned away from Yahuwah God and served the Baals, right? They had prophets for Baal. And so Elijah, the prophet, what did he think to himself? What did he say to himself? He said, I'm the only one left. Everyone else turned away from Yahuwah God, but I'm the only one left. But what was God's response? What was the divine response? Yahuwah God says to him, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Yes, the majority, the great majority of the people of God have turned away from him. But there was 7,000 at least that Yahuwah God reserved for himself. You know what Apostle Paul calls these 7,000? Were they? Even so, Apostle Paul says, then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of Grace. So during the days of Elijah, when the people of Israel, most of them, like 99% of them, turned away from Yehovah God, there were 7,000 left. And Apostle Paul says, even now, during his time, during the early days of the Christian era, in the first century, even though the majority of Israel rejected Yehusha as the Messiah, there was still a remnant. You see, there's always going to be a remnant whenever the people of God as a whole reject him and this pattern is what we find again and again in the holy bible the remnant can also be referred to as the daughter of zion okay all right let's go to the next question as we all talk about inside the institution no one other than brother felix manalo has the right to teach the bible or proclaim the words of god because he is the only one Commissioned by God in these last days. That is why brethren inside the institution and also a lot of brethren who got expelled and have their own group worship services vehemently condemn lessons that was not taught by Brother Felix. They say that lessons that was not taught by the Sugo are a different gospel and should not be accepted and it amounts to sinning against the, the, the spirit. They quote the two verses below to prove their belief that only lessons taught by the Sugo should be accepted. And Kaf Farley even said this in his lesson dated December 13, 2020, that Kaf Felix has already taught us everything we need. Okay, so let's go to the, the questions that he asked. Is it true that only Brother Felix Manala, being the Sugo, can proclaim or preach the word of God in these last days? And also another question, is it also true that he taught all the lessons that we need? Thank you, Paul. And these are the verses, Romans 10, 15 and Galatians 1, 
and the verse is eight. So let's begin with the first question. Is it true that only Brother Felix Manal, being the sugo, quote unquote the sugo, can proclaim the word of God in these last days? Well, I say no. I say that it's not just Brother Felix Manala who can proclaim the words of God. Why? Well, the right to teach the word of God, the right to preach the word of God, who gives that? Who gives people the right to preach the word of God? Well, let's read the book of Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Question, how does one obtain the right to preach the word of God? Through who? The Spirit. God gives spiritual gifts through the Spirit. And so when a person is given the Spirit of God, that person is commissioned to preach the word of God. That is his spiritual gift. What are examples of spiritual gifts? Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. I want to pause there for a while. The Holy Spirit of God, is it only given to Brother Felix Manala? Is it only given to Brother Irania Manala? Is it only given to a select people? No. What does Apostle Paul say? A spiritual gift is given to each, not just one person, not just one, Brother Felix Panalo. This is why if there are preachers who will preach that only Brother Felix Manalo has received the Holy Spirit, they are preaching a different gospel. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says if you belong to Yahushua, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We have to stay biblical here, brothers and sisters. So a spiritual gift is given to each of us. When Apostle Paul says each of us, who was he referring to? Those who were baptized into union into his body. It's, it's in Corinthians 12 verse 13. So to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the gift to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so the question is, who is entitled to receive a spiritual gift? What's the answer? Everyone who are baptized into union with Yahusha. Who gets to give or who gets to decide what gift is to be received by person? He alone decides which gift each person should have. Who is that he that was referred to there? The executive minister? No. Who is it? God. Through Yahusha, he's the one who decides which gift each person should have. What are examples of these spiritual gifts? Uh, ability to prophesy or to proclaim the word of God. To discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or not. A message of special knowledge. And so when a person has been given the spiritual gift, he has the authority to 
preach the word of God, right? Does it have to be prophesied to do that? No. If you have been added to the body of Yahusha, then you have that gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, well, how am I going to know? If I am commissioned or called to preach the word of God, if I'm called to teach the word of God, well, let's read the book of Romans 12, 4 to 8. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. Well, how will we know? What gift we got? It depends on what you do well. And so if you have certain talents like in teaching or preaching, what does that mean? Well, if you belong to Yahusha, it means the Spirit is giving you that ability. Yahuwah God has given you that gift. And so in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so how will we know if we have a specific kind of spiritual gift, if we do that well, if we find an inclination to do that? This is why if there are those who feel they are inclined to become a minister to preach the word of God, let us know and we can enroll you into the ministry so that you can be prepared to study the Bible and be prepared to teach the words of God. And so all of us who are in Yahusha's body, we have been, uh, we have received the spirit and we have certain gifts and certain tasks that enable us to do things for the sake of the body of Yahusha. This is why it's wrong, brethren, to say that one person and only one person can receive a message from God. It's wrong. It's not biblical. Every one of us can do that. What's the proof? Let's go to Corinthians again, 14, 29 to 31. Two or three who are given God's message should speak while the others are to judge what they say. But if someone sitting in the meeting receives a message from God, the one who is speaking should stop. All of you may proclaim God's message one by one so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. What does Apostle Paul say? about those who belong to Yahushua. What we read here concerns Apostle Paul's instructions when the people of God, the followers of Yahushua, the Christians in the first century met together for worship. Yes, there are those who are assigned to preach. That's why the Bible says two or three, perhaps. So go one, so go two, so go three. <laughs> That's how we used to call them. Two or three are given God's message should speak. But if someone in the congregation, all of a sudden, God decides, I'm going to give you a message, my son. Or I'm going to give you a message, my daughter. What does the Bible say? All of you may proclaim God's message. And so Yahuwah God does not single out just one person and says only listen to that person. No, that is against the teaching of the apostles, against the teachings of the Holy Bible. When one belongs to the body of Yahusha, then he or she can receive the spirit of 
God. However, there are those who will insist, Romans 10, verse 15. And because of Romans 10, verse 15, they will say to you, only, only Brother Felix Y. Manalo can preach the word of God because he's the only messenger sent by God in these last days. So let's go ahead and take a look at Romans 10 and the verses 15. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I think you know this passage very well. The, the, the passage tells us, Apostle Paul asks a question, a rhetorical question. And from this rhetorical question, other religions have come up with certain conclusions that we need to test, right? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And so what is the conclusion of others after reading how, they, how can they preach unless they are sent? They conclude only those who are sent are commissioned to preach the words of God. In other words, if you're not sent, you're not commissioned to preach the word of God, right? And so there are those who say only Brother Felix Manalo was sent. And so only he has the right to preach the word of God. And so is that what Apostle Paul is teaching? This is why we have to test everything, right? Let's go take a look at the context of the passage. Apostle Paul, what was the main subject of his dissertation or exhortation in Romans chapter 10? Let's go to the top, Romans 10, 1 to 4, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they do not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And so what was the subject that Apostle Paul was discussing when he wrote Romans, book of Romans, specifically Romans chapter 10? It was about the conversion of the Israelites, right? What did he say about the Israelites? He said they have a zeal for God. I should know, Apostle Paul says, because I came from that group. I was a zealot myself. I was so zealous for God that I persecuted you Christians before, right? And so he said, I can attest to you, these people have a zeal for God. But the problem is it's, based, it's not based on true knowledge. It's not based on knowledge that will put you right before God. And so Apostle Paul says his heart's desire and prayer is for the Israelites to also receive salvation. But for them to be saved, they need to first obtain the knowledge that will make them right before God. What is that knowledge? Christ. This is what's missing. They have the zeal. But what's missing is Christ. If you're missing Christ, you're missing the whole thing, right? Because the whole point of the entire Bible is Christ. You take away Christ, you take away everything. And so Apostle Paul is saying, what the Israelites really need to know about is who? Yahushua the Christ. So that they can turn to Yahushua and their zeal for God will now be put into good effect. It will no longer be in vain. And so what does Apostle Paul say? instructs the Romans in Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And so Apostle Paul says, the Israelites, they need to call on Yahusha so that their zeal for God will count and matter. You get it? Okay. How then, however, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone 
preaching to them. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So when we look at the context, when Apostle Paul says, how can they preach unless they are sent? Does it mean that only those who are, who are sent are commissioned to preach the word of God? That's not what Apostle Paul is saying. What Apostle Paul is saying is for people to begin to call, they need to first believe. But for them, for them to believe, they need to hear about Christ. But for people to hear about Christ, people have to preach about Christ. But how can, how can there be preaching unless there are people who are sin? And so what Apostle Paul is telling the brethren, you who know about Christ, why are you keeping it to yourself? Why don't you go out there and tell people about what you know about Christ? That's why he's saying, how can they preach unless they are sent? And so when we look at the context of Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us it's not about one person or it's about a person who's sent and they're the only ones commissioned to preach the word of God. No, those who are already commissioned to preach should be sent. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying to the Christians, to the Yahushans, hey, you already belong to Christ. You're commissioned to preach, quote unquote. And so you should be going out there telling the people about who? Yahushua. Wait a minute. It says preach, brother. Does it mean every Christian is going to preach? Yes. This is where people, a lot of people kind of don't understand Romans 10, 15. What does that mean to preach? When used in Romans 10, 15. In Romans 10, verse 15, it says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? Now, what does that mean? To preach, let's read the Greek word for, uh, for Romans 10.15. In Greek, it is the Greek word 2784. And when we look, at, look that up, it is keruso. That is the verb, to preach, right? To proclaim. And so what is the meaning of that word? Take a look at this. Number one, to be a herald. To officiate as a herald. To proclaim after the manner of a Herald. So that's the primary use of the Greek word translated to preach, to act as a herald. You look at the Strong's definition, to herald as a public crier. So the word to preach, unless you were sent, is not limited to pulpit preaching, like what I'm doing now. It's not limited to that. It is to act as a herald to announce something official because a herald is one sent to announce something, to proclaim the good news. And so what Apostle Paul is saying, you know the good news. So why don't you act as a herald and publicly declare what you know instead of keeping it to yourself? Publicly declare about Yahushua so that people can receive salvation. But wait a minute, what is my right to publicly declare to proclaim about Christ and about God. Well, let's read the book of 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are the chosen race, the kings, priests, the holy nation, God's own people chosen to proclaim the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. At one time, you were not God's people, but now you are his people. At one time, you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. What is our right? Because we belong to Yahushua to proclaim the word of God and to make known God in Christ. What is our right? Bible says you are the king's priest. Here's my question. 
Brother Felix Manalo, is he the only priest? What is your answer? No, he's not the only priest. Am I a priest? Yeah. Are you a priest? If you belong to Yahusha, yeah. And so when we were baptized into Yahusha's body, we became a people, God's own people. In the Christian era, those who belong to the people of God, they are now the king's priests. What is our duty? Because we are the king's priests. We must proclaim the wonderful acts of God. Are you doing that? It's really unfortunate, you know, before when we would proclaim the kingdom, we would invite our friends. Oh, could you come to our Bible study? Oh, what's it about? Well, I can't explain it. It has to be from the minister. <laughs> right? No. You're supposed to proclaim it. You're supposed to tell people. Maybe it's not pulpit preaching because not everyone is gifted to do that. But all of us, all of us have been commissioned as the king's priests to proclaim the words of God. We must do that. Who was the one who sent us to do that? John 15, 16. Yahushua says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go. To go. What's the past tense of go? If you went, you were sent. And so Yahushua is sending us, those who appointed and chosen, to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So have we been, have we been commissioned? To proclaim the message of salvation from Yahushua and Yahuwah? Yes, we have been commissioned. It's not just Brother Felix Manala. All of us have been commissioned by the name of our king. Who is our king? Yahushua HaMashiach. And so what are we to do? What does that mean to proclaim? Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so because we belong to Yahushua, we are the king's priests. What is our commissioning? To tell people about our king. What does it mean to witness for our king? To show evidence that Yahushua is the Messiah. That is what we need to do. And to do that, we have to open our mouth. It's not just the minister. Maybe the minister can stand in the pulpit and do it in that manner. But it doesn't mean, you, doesn't mean you cannot do that on your own. When you're speaking face-to-face with your friends or co-workers, people that you love, you can open up the Bible. There's nothing wrong with opening up the Bible. It's good that we do that. Because that's one way of showing evidence that Yahusha is the Mashiach or the king. It's too bad we have basically removed we have basically gagged the mouths of those who belong to Yahusha. Tell them you can't do that. Only the minister is supposed to do that. No, brethren. We who belong to Yahusha, who received the spirit, we have the duty, the duty to proclaim about the good news. This is why Romans 10, 15 does not teach that only those who are sent are commissioned to preach. No. Romans 10, 15 teaches that we who belong to Christ are already commissioned to publicly witness for Christ. And so should be going out to tell the world about God and Christ. We should not be keeping it to ourselves. That's why Yahushua says, how can they know if no one will tell them? And how will anyone tell them if you don't go out? How can anyone know if, you, if you're not sent out? And so we need to go out there 
as our King Yahusha has mandated and tell people about God and Christ. Interestingly, the Bible tells us how we ought to tell people about God and Christ for them to be saved. Did you know that? We read Romans 10, 15, right? Let's read the whole context again. I want you to see this. Romans 9, uh, 10, 9 to 15. That if you confess with your mouth, Yahusha is Lord, and believe in your heart of God, raise him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so those who proclaim, those who preach, those who will witness for Yahuwah God and Yahusha Christ, what should we include in our witnessing? The name, <laughs> right? Is that what Apostle Paul says? How can we be saved? According to Apostle Paul. When you confess with your mouth, Yahusha is Lord. How else can we be saved? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. And so when we witness for God and for Christ, when we proclaim or preach as we are sent out as mandated by our king, we must include the names of Yahuwah God and Yahusha Hamashiach. You know What's even more amazing about Romans 10, 15? Remember when we look at Rome, uh, Romans 10, 15? Uh, so this is our conclusion. Romans 10, 15 teaches that we belong to Christ. We who belong to Christ are already commissioned to publicly witness for Christ and should, go, should be going out to tell the world to call in the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha. So when we look at the context, that's what it means. This is what we ought to be doing, telling people about Yahuwah and Yahusha. And if you look at Romans 10, 15, and how, shall, how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You notice the quotes? Apostle Paul is quoting from Isaiah 52, verse 7. And so what was he referring to there? Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And so we, it's our responsibility to bear the good news and to proclaim the good news. And when we proclaim the good news, what is included in verse six, but I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. And this is why when we look at Romans 10, 15, it does not teach that those, only those who were sent can preach the word of God. No, it teaches us that Apostle Paul is telling those who belong to Yahusha, hey, you belong to Yahusha. You should be telling people about God and his name and about Yahusha and his name so that they too can receive salvation. That's what Romans 10, 15 is all about. Now, of course, they will say, well, how about Galatians 1 and the verses 8? Because there are those who say, well, if you don't teach, if you teach something that was never taught, by Brother Felix Y. Manalo, then you are teaching a different gospel. And they were cite Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel 
other than the one we preached to you. Let him be eternally condemned. How many here have heard that before? And if you will teach something that was never taught by Brother Felix Soibanalo, then you are preaching another gospel. Here's my question. When Apostle Paul mentioned Galatians 1.8, was Brother Felix Manalo alive? <laughs> was he referring specifically to the teachings of Brother Felix Manalo? No. This is why it boggles the mind when people say things like that. Galatians 1.8 does not teach that if you preach something that was never taught by Brother Felix Manalo, then you are preaching another gospel. Because Brother Felix Manalo was not alive then. When Apostle Paul mentioned Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. So what does that mean? What was he referring to by the other gospel? We got to find out. Galatians 1, 6 to 9. I am, a, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you the gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Pretty strong words from Apostle Paul, wouldn't you say? When Apostle Paul sp spoke about a different gospel, another gospel, what was he referring to? A perverted gospel of Christ. What is considered a perverted gospel of Christ when it's not the gospel as preached by the Apostle Paul or the other apostles? Do you get it so far? So when it deviates from what was preached by the Apostle Paul, when it deviates from what was preached by the other apostles, it is a perverted gospel. What is Apostle Paul addressing? Why did he write to Galatia, the brethren in Galatia, which is why we have the book of Galatians in the first place. He's concerned about the brethren in Galatia because at first they accepted the gospel of Christ. What's the proof? They were baptized in Yahusha, right? So they accepted Yahusha. So, so far, so good. They believe in Yahusha. They believe that he is the, sa the savior and the king. So far, so good. But then all of a sudden, why? Apostle Paul says, why are you deserting? Why are you deserting the one who called you? Because you are now believing a different gospel. So what is that different gospel that they have accepted? Which is what Apostle Paul is preaching against. Let's find out in Galatians chapter 2 and the verses 16. Yet we know that a person is put right with God only through faith in Yahushua, in Yahushua Christ. Never by doing what the law requires. We too have believed in Christ Yahushua in order to be put right with God through our faith in Christ. And not by doing what the law requires for no one. No one is put right with God by doing what the law requires requires so what is the different gospel the perverted gospel and what is the gospel preached by the apostles number one the gospel that was preached by the apostle it is that it's through faith in yahushua the christ for us to be put right with who god not through the law of moses what's a perverted gospel 
when you believe that Christ is not enough. And so you add Moses. That's the perverted gospel. You get that? Because Apostle Paul is telling them, okay, you were believing Christ is enough. Now you're going to add Moses. You're going to add the law of Moses. And so it's Christ plus the law of Moses. When Apostle Paul is saying, no, Christ is enough for you to be put right with God. So the perverted gospel, if you add something else to Christ, right? What do we have in Christ? Galatians 5, 1 to 4, freedom. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to be slaves again. Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, it means that Christ is of no use to you at all. Once more, I warn any man who allows himself to be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. Those of you who try to be put right with God by obeying the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You are outside God's grace. And so why did Apostle Paul accuse the brethren in Galatia that they were now turning to a different gospel? Because they now were observing the law of Moses as though what Yahushua did was not enough. Is there anything wrong with getting circumcised? What do you think? No, but if you're doing it because you believe it is needed for you to be put right with God, then you are cutting yourself off from the grace of God and alienating yourself from Yahusha. You have turned to a different gospel. What's the gospel? Christ and Christ alone. That's all you need, right? What's a different gospel or perverted gospel? Christ plus someone else, maybe Moses, or it could be someone else. Do you get it, right? And so according to Apostle Paul, what do we have in Christ? We have freedom. We are able to worship without an executive minister telling us you have to worship this way. No, Yahusha has purchased us our freedom. And so when the Galatians were getting confused, what happened to them? What were they confused about? Let's read Galatians 5, 6 to 8. For when we are in union with Christ, Yahusha, neither circumcision nor the lack of it, right? It makes any difference at all. What matters is faith that works through love. You were doing so well. Who made you stop obeying the truth? How did he persuade you? It was not done by God who calls you. So Apostle Paul says, you were doing well in the beginning. You accepted Yahushua. But then afterwards, there were people who convinced you to go back to what you were before. To go back to what you knew before. What was that? Moses. They could not set themselves free from Moses. They kept going back to Moses instead of completely reliant and dependent on the king, Yahusha HaMashiach. That's why Apostle Paul says, who made you stop obeying the truth? What is the truth? Truth is, Yahusha is all we need. He's all that we need. And so if we will say Yahusha plus Brother Felix Waimanalo, what are we doing? We're perverting the gospel. Do you see that? Is Brother Felix Waimanalo a good person? Is he a preacher of the word of God? Yes. Is he a messenger of God? Yes. He preached the word of God. He used the Bible to preach the word of God. But he is not the Christ. And he is not the quote-unquote, the sugo of John chapter 6. That is Yahusha HaMashiach. And this is why when you think about it, brethren, look, think about the logic of this. If you limit your faith to only what Brother Felix Swaminala taught, that's not the gospel. That's another gospel and it's unfortunate there are people who limit their faith 
because they say things like it was never taught by Brother Felix by Manalo. If that's the case, you have faith in Manalo. You don't have faith in Yahusha. You don't have faith in the Bible. If you have faith in Yahusha, faith in the Bible, you believe Yahusha is enough. The Bible is enough. And the Bible is what you need, right? This is why when people say things like you should not go beyond what this brother Felix Swaimanalo uh, taught and they even say the Sugo, I don't even want to say the Sugo because it is as though he is the messenger. No, he's a messenger. Ah, but the messenger is Yahusha, our Christ. Him and him alone. No one can even be in the same level or platform as Yahusha, our king. And so we should always focus on the gospel, Christ alone. Not Christ plus Moses, not Christ plus Brother Felix Flamanello, but Christ alone. Okay. And so let's go to the next question, the last one for today. Is it also true that Brother Felix Flamanello taught all the lessons that we need? No. It wasn't Brother Felix Flamanello who taught us everything we need to know for salvation. Who taught us everything we need to know for salvation? Huh? Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17. And you remember that ever since you were a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are, in, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Yahushua. All scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. Isn't that clear? Where do we get the teachings from? From the Bible. This is why when people say, okay, was it taught by Brother Felix Manal? That's not the question. The question is, is it in the Bible? Why? Because all scripture is inspired by God. In the scriptures, there are many, many types of knowledge. What is one kind of knowledge compared that we can find in scripture? Prophecy. Right, And prophecy is fulfilled not all in one instance, but it is progressive. You understand? It's progressive. The prophecies in Genesis all the way to Revelation, it is progressive in nature. This is why when we study prophecy, what should we be prepared to receive? Let's read one more passage before we pray together. Corinthians 13, 9 to 10. For our knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. And our prophecy, our teaching, is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect, the total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. Because the Bible contains prophecies. What do we need to understand about the prophetic fulfillment of certain prophecies. It is unfolding progressively. This is why there will be times when what is being fulfilled today obviously was not fulfilled 10 years ago, right? For example, during the days of Moses, when they were alive, did they have any knowledge about Christ? No. And so during their time, what was revealed according to prophecy? What they needed to know for them to receive salvation, right? During our time, is it the same? No, because of the progressive nature of the unfolding of prophecy. Back in 1914, when Brother Felix Manalo cited Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, 
Did he mention the gathering in the far west? Yes or no? No. Why? Because it was not yet time. How about during the days of Brother Iran de Manalo? What was fulfilled during his days? The gathering in the far west. Does that mean Brother Felix Manalo was wrong? No. Did he teach it back then? No. Why did he not teach it? Because it wasn't yet time, according to the progressive nature of the unfolding of prophecy. What else was revealed even after the days of Brother Iranian Manal? Isaiah 1, 8 to 9, the prophecy there. What else? The proclaiming of the name, the assembly of Yahushua. All of these are prophetic events that is progressive towards refinement and perfection. This is why when people ask, did Brother Felix Manalo teach everything? No. First of all, he's merely pointing us to the Bible. Right? That's what Brother Felix Manalo, that's what he did. And this is why it's so beautiful to listen to Brother Felix Manalo. Because he showed the Bible. But never, never did he claim, only listen to me. Did he ever say that? Did Brother Felix Manalo ever say, if I did not teach it, don't believe it? No. What he said was believe in the Bible. Don't believe in Manal, believe in the Bible. He's telling us, test him <laughs> to make sure that what he preaches is from the Bible. Because only what is in the Bible must we receive by faith. But it doesn't mean everything that has prophetic fulfillment was already taught by Brother Felix Y. Manal. But the Bible in itself, is complete. It's our only source of knowledge and wisdom because it points to who? Yahusha HaMashiach. The only one we need for our salvation. The only teacher we need is the Holy Spirit through the Holy Scriptures. Okay? That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes. Yahuwah, our God, yes. thank you for the clarity of your teachings. Yes, your words serve us light to guide our path. Amen. Thank you so much for showing us what we need to learn. Yes, thank you for the unfolding of prophecy as we see our works continue to grow and progress yes, through your leadership by the power of your spirit. Amen. Father, we know we have been commissioned to tell others about the good news. Yes, this is the work we are to do. And yes. so we promise you, we will speak to others. We will tell people about you and your name, yes. about your son and his name. Amen. Help us, help us please, not to be deterred by those who oppose and resist this work. Amen. We are not surprised this will come to be because we know the adversary is hard at work yes. trying to prevent people from being saved. But you are our God, Yahuwah Abba, yes. Almighty Father. We ask that you please bless us with even more power. Your spirit may it descend from heaven into our hearts, yes. equipping and empowering all of us to proclaim mightily your message of salvation. Amen. Yahusha, our king. Yes. We are so happy. We are so filled with joy yes. because we belong to you. You mean everything to us. Yes. When Abba gave you as a sacrifice, you became our king. When you were risen, we have hope for salvation. Because as you rose from the dead, we too shall rise from the dead yes. to be with you forevermore. Amen. And so we will proclaim your name, Yahushua. Yes. 
that you are Mashiach and King. May you help us in doing this work. Never leave us. Please, O Lord, continue to work beside us and through us by means of your Ruach. Father, thank you for blessing your people. Bless our work every day. Remember your people throughout the world. May you comfort those who need comforting. And may you heal those who have been broken. Those who are sick and afflicted. Please heal us with your power and mighty hands. That we can be fully restored. Fully equipped to do the work of salvation. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.